Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Tuesday, December 6th. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Maya Sargent. And I'm Isabel Danzis. Here's what's going on near you. In April, former New York Lieutenant Governor Brian Benjamin was charged with bribery and corruption over allegedly proposing to pay out $50,000 of state money to boost campaign contributions. But yesterday evening, it was announced that a Manhattan federal judge, Paul Etkin, dropped the charges against the former lieutenant governor, claiming there was not sufficient evidence. While the judge has dismissed all three corruption charges against Benjamin, the government has said it will be referring these decisions to the U.S. Court of Appeals. St. Nicholas Church is reopening today after over two decades of construction. The Greek Orthodox Church was the only place of worship destroyed during the 9-11 terror attacks in 2001. The repaired church is now officially designated a national shrine. For visitors, the opening means they can see the new interior, and for parishioners, this means the return to regular worship. Rising prices and inflation have made their way into the holiday season. That's right, Isabel. Christmas tree prices are up 20%. Farmers say that rising labor and fertilizer prices have contributed to the hike. Jill Sidebottom of the National Christmas Tree Association says that heightened fuel costs have also affected tree prices. Neil Diamond made an unexpected cameo appearance at the Sunday night opening of his new Broadway musical, A Beautiful Noise. The 81-year-old singer surprised fans by coming out of retirement just long enough to serenade the audience with Sweet Caroline. Fans and celebrities alike reportedly joined the singer in a rendition of the 1969 hit that brought everyone to their feet. Paul Salcini, a Stephen Sondheim scholar, has mysteriously discovered a recording of a musical that the composer co-wrote when he was 18. The recording is a performance of Finney's Rainbow, created in 1948. Salcini talked to Sondheim many times for his book, Sondheim and Me, before his death last year. Salcini says he was cleaning up papers for his book when he stumbled upon the CD. He believes that Sondheim recorded the tape by himself, making it Sondheim's first original cast recording. The tape will be donated to Marquette University. Kirstie Alley's family announced the passing of the Emmy and Golden Globe award-winning actress last night. She was 71. Alley is best known for her performance in Cheers, but will also be remembered for her title roles in Veronica's Closet and David's Mother. Now we are joined by WFUV's Taylor Massetta to give us the latest sporting headlines. Thanks, Maya. So the hunt for the Heisman Trophy has narrowed its search down to four quarterbacks, Georgia Stetson Bennett, Texas Christian University's Max Duggan, Ohio State's C.J. Stroud, and the University of Southern California's Caleb Williams were announced to be the four finalists for the award last night. Williams is the heavy favorite to win, but each quarterback can make a strong case to claim the award. Bennett went from walking on to Georgia's team to leading the Bulldogs to the national title last year. Duggan stepped up big time to grant the Horned Frogs their first trip to the college football playoff. And Stroud's out for blood after being named a finalist last year, too. But it will be tough to beat Williams' otherworldly stats and ability to resurrect a floundering USC program. All four quarterbacks will be flown out to New York City this weekend, and the winner will be unveiled this Saturday. Also in the NCAA, UCLA scooped up its second-ever national title in women's soccer, just edging out North Carolina 3-2 in double overtime. 
UCLA actually trailed UNC 0-2 in the second half of the game, but put on an impressive rally to tie the game with just 16 seconds left on the clock. The Bruins' win also marks the first time where a first-year head coach secured a national title. Coach Marguerite Awozaza was just hired last December, and she also becomes just the fourth female and second Asian American head coach to win an NCAA title. With WFEV Sports, I'm Taylor Massetta. Thanks, Taylor. Every month, WFUV brings you Cityscape. Cityscape aims to show off the people, places, and culture of New York City. Pizza is an iconic part of New York City's culture. However, what is it like for the women who work in the industry? My co-host, WFUV's Isabel Danzis, spoke with women pizza makers and their experience in the city. Pizza. Everybody loves it. From the classic $1 slice to artisan pies, pizza is an important part of New York City's culture. Alexandra Mortati works importing foods from Italy to the United States. Because of her job, she has connections with many pizza makers. A few years ago, she noticed that women in the industry were not getting recognition for their work. She started Women in Pizza to make sure that women all over the world could be acknowledged for their contributions. Um, we saw that there was such an underrepresented segment of women. It was a growing segment, but you never really heard from the women in the same way that you heard from the men. According to Mortadi, the pizza industry is still heavily dominated by men. And Women in Pizza pushes back against that. The group connects female pizza makers with each other, increases the visibility of women in the industry, and empowers women who are succeeding. Um, but I think it's still like having to, to prove yourself to be taken seriously when you walk into a room commanding that presence, showing that what you're saying is of value, showing that you know how to run a business, that you should be taken seriously, that you're just as capable as making a pizza, even if you're not used to seeing a woman behind the counter. Like Our hands are gentler. We're better with the dough. Georgia Caparuscio is the owner of a pizza restaurant in Hell's Kitchen. She studied pizza and the culinary arts in Naples before coming to the United States. When she came to the U.S., she started working with her father, Roberto Caparuscio, at his first restaurant in New York City, Don Antonio, in Hell's Kitchen. Flash forward to now, Georgia is running the restaurant. The, the co-worker of my father make fun of me and say, oh, you're Italian, you're a woman, but you don't know how to make pizza and pasta. So, and I say, oh, let's, let's show them that I can make good pizza. And here I am, basically. Caparuscio met Mortadi at a pizza expo in Las Vegas and is now an ambassador for Women in Pizza. Caparuscio says the conversations facilitated by Women in Pizza inspire more women to join the industry. So I just, I just try to uh, push and speak about this job and what I, my experience, so more women can, you know, be closer to change or they have patience to make this pizza is not just predominant uh, male. Caparuso took over completely from her father during the pandemic. But even now, she says that she still faces doubt from people. I was every day I'm facing, you know, the face of the cost, not customers, but also pizza maker coming from Italy, also come over here. Uh, the, the face was, oh, I'm looking at an alien. I push myself to make good, good pizza, but also to be show off that everybody that, you know, a female woman can make good pizza. Mortadi has seen the organization change minds in real time. 
I was at an event in Colorado with a bunch of women in pizza um, in September. And this, this, it was a little pizza festival and I had a women in pizza um, booth there with three of my ambassadors baking pizzas. And I was handing out some shirts to my colleague. And this woman comes up to me with her daughter and she's like, we love pizza. And she's like, I never thought that this was something my daughter could do. Erin Roshai works with women in pizza as well. While not a pizza maker, she is in the industry. She is the operations director at the organization Slice Out Hunger. They donate pizzas to people in need and work to create food security. You know, pizza uh, is is not immune to a lot of the uh, disparities that we see in the the food and beverage industry in general. Um, you know, it's uh, it's definitely it's definitely something that needs work. Pizza is a quintessential part of New York City's culture. And while Mortadi and Caparuso both agreed that the industry is getting more inclusive of all people, there is still a long way to go. I'm Isabel Danzis, WFUV News. That was my co-host Isabel Danzis talking about gender disparities in the pizza industry in New York City. And that's our show for today. I'm Isabel Danzis. And I'm Maya Sargent. Check back with us tomorrow at 3 o'clock for more news, music, culture, and sports. And tell your friends so they can find WFUV's What's What at WFUVnews.org and wherever you get your podcasts.